You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, I've just altered the titles slightly and Carlos was freaking out there for a moment. <laughs> well, no, I, I just wanted to make sure that it said 214 there. You're just checking up on I me know, again, I aren't know. you? Honestly. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 214 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. It's Carl Stebbings here and joining me in the barn studio this week, as always, is my co-host Matt Smith. Uh, well, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everyone. I don't know what to <laughs> welcome. Hello. Yeah, 214, yes. I know, Very good. I know, every week it's, it's another one on. I know, and we started on time again. And we started what on time again. On? We're, we're getting good at this starting on time like thing. This. It's, it's crazy. So yeah. also joining us from his stately mansion, <laughs> his stately it's mansion. Uh, the, the lord of the manor himself, oh, of everything British and airways, it's Sir Neville Bounds. Inside, because last week it went very cold and very dark, and I'm not doing that again. <laughs> yeah, it's safe to say that last week, it, as the as the uh, the light faded, <laughs> it got colder and colder. Yes. Well, we yes, were it, we were warm, we were fine. Yeah, we were so it wasn't yeah. my finest hour, I have to say. So <laughs> no. I just apologise to everybody because I looked a bit weird uh, outside there. I know oh, anyway. it, 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 it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I'm a massive fan of uh, Red Dwarf, uh, <laughs> and so Holly. actually, towards the end of that, you know, oh. it's, it's, it's basically vague resembled Holly and there's so, so many funny. people are now going who on earth, what on earth is Red Dwarf look yeah. it up on YouTube and look up Holly you'll know and then cast your mind back to, that, you know. to to last week's uh, episode and you, you'll um, you'll know what was occurring yeah yeah, yeah. So this week on the show, we've uh, managed to grab ourselves uh, a first-time guest. Ooh. His first time on the show, and uh, victim. For, I know, yeah. <laughs> for, for those of you who can cast your minds back uh, too many years ago, when the Super Guppy used to carry various Airbus items oh, wow. across the uh, Europe, uh, this is the guy who looks after and cares for the Super Guppy at uh, Bruntingthorpe. So, welcome onto the show, Neil Landmore. Good evening, everybody. Good evening from rugby. <laughs> rugby. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not just me. Uh, there is a whole team of us, and we'll get onto that later on. Um, I can't take the whole credit. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll grill you later on in the show, Neil, oh. about uh, about the uh, Super Guppy. Obviously, we, we put the promo out on Facebook earlier this... Uh, well, actually, yesterday, when we put the... Uh, with the pictures and stuff... Organised for you, uh, innit? I know, I know. And uh, yeah, I, I And, yeah, I think it's safe to say that there'll be a, there'll be a few questions for you later on in the Excellent. show, Neil. So we're going to say a big welcome then to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. All the usual suspects in there, all the family well, I, I should say got, in I there. haven't got the chat. You haven't got the chat room no, up? I haven't That's got the terrible. Chat room. I should put that right. Yeah. So we've got uh, Liz Piper, Richard Adams, uh, Neville Bounds. They could be <laughs> saying all sorts of things Lane about Lane Street, <laughs> uh, Richard King, Tony S, uh, Neil. Well, Neil's in the chat room. Well, he, I guess in the chat room. That's always good. Uh, Jenny Parkinson's joined us from Rome. Aww. Hello, Jenny. Uh, we have also got, I'm just growing up here, we've got uh, Andy Wilson. Hello to you, Andy Wilson, as well. Uh, we've got uh, Eduardo Sanchez Coronado. Hello f- uh, to you. And uh, Eduardo is in Mexico. So hello, <laughs> hello in Mexico. Blimey, that's a few, few Ooh. miles away, for sure. Uh, and like, yeah, Lane Street. Have I missed anyone? Hopefully I've not missed anyone. But thanks, everyone, for joining us in the live chat room uh, this evening and uh, for taking time out of your Friday evening. So the 
date is well it is the 27th of april Do you know, we haven't done that properly in a long time have we i know it's the 27th <laughs> of april and it's just coming up to five past seven in the evening here in the uk we've got uh, loads of news stories to go through this week uh, interesting news stories and uh, also we've got uh, nev what, what, what have we got coming up uh, midway through the show something yet uh, oh yes during the 200th show i did lots of uh, interviews with various people none of which we, we've played out yet so we thought there's got a bit of a slot in the show later on to do mm. this with uh thought i'd uh, play out an interview that i did uh with andy from the a320 podcast and captain al and very entertaining it is as well oh no did you say captain al <laughs> he said captain al <laughs> oh no Obviously, oh. this is the, the edited clean version. <laughs> oh thank goodness for that family oh. friendly one i i think we should always have captain al on tape actually in high ha- has has that uh, <laughs> has that interview been through the uh, NevTech filters yeah of... it, it has been through the uh, taste and decency filter right and excellent the all the smut has been, been cleaned applied out, yes. very fine <laughs> nothing left then yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, the bad um, news is only about fifteen uh, seconds long. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so before we uh, before we start the news, we're going to make a quick mention uh, to uh, to a few of our listeners over in Australia, and a uh, special mention to Matthew Bunting Frame and uh, Ray Davis, and they're off next weekend Ooh. to the Wings Over Illawarra uh, Air Show. That's uh, next Saturday and Sunday. And uh, hopefully they're going to send uh, or send us uh, after the show some uh, audio and visual mm, content for the show. That, so yeah. looking forward to that. So, so anyone who's over in uh, in Australia who's listening to the show yep. and is off to the Wings Over Illawarra Air Show, please do send us in some pictures or some audio. Do. Would be yeah. fantastic. Uh, along with uh, Matthew Bunting Frame and Ray Davis and stuff. So I hope you have a great weekend, guys. And we're going to look forward to uh, to that coming in on the show. Indeed, absolutely. So we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yeah, why not? Give, we'll give it a go. Oh, and if you're ready, Nev. <laughs> yes, same here. And if you're ready, Neil. We're ready. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on the independent.co.uk. And uh, quite an interesting story, actually, Matt. I, I find this, this is... Mm-hmm. Uh, that remains to be seen. Well, <laughs> uh, it's uh, the headline is, an airline is going to pay two friends £2,885 each per month to move to Iceland and travel the world, accommodation included. So summer is. I want to do that. I know, I know. (laughs) Summer is around the corner, which means holiday planning for many people. And if you have some free time on your hands over the next few months, you could be in luck. Budget Icelandic airline. Wow. I beg your pardon. Wow Air is seeking two friends who would like to travel the world together this summer while blogging and vlogging about their experiences and getting paid to do it. The low-cost carrier is launching the Wow Travel Guide competition on the 23rd of April, so it's this week, and it says it's looking for a fun pair of individuals who are able to think big. This can either be two uh, two content creators or one who wants to be uh, bring a friend along for the adventure. The successful applicants will move to Iceland from the 1st of June this year until the 15th of August, where they will receive a monthly salary and live in apartment. 
uh, in downtown Reykjavik. Uh, they will use the place as a base to travel to destinations served by Wow Air across Europe and North America and will also explore Iceland. The winners will also be allowed to pick where they go. As uh, go, A representative for the airline told Business Insider, which could include places like Barcelona, Los Angeles, Stockholm and New York. Each traveller will receive a salary of around about €3,300 or £2,885 a month, which comes in addition to the apartment as well as transportation and other tours around Iceland. Travel and living expenses will also be covered by the airline while the pair are visiting other destinations. The successful applicants will be required uh, to document their trips, capturing short videos and writing budget-friendly travel tips to create guides for the destinations they visit. Their content will include videos, GIFs and blog posts, uh, which will be posted uh, to a section on the WOW Air website called Travel Guide. To apply, candidates should uh, head to the competition website and upload a two-minute clip offering travel tips for their hometown. Oh, blimey, that'd be hard for us, Matt. Uh, the contest is open to candidates everywhere. The deadline for entries is the 14th of May, so you've got loads of time, after which a panel of judges will select the winners to be announced on social media uh, on the 18th of May. To be Just fair, we could, do, an, for adventure we, on the we could do an June. excellent tour of various charity shops that are available we here could in this town. Do. That is literally... <laughs> charity shops and hairdressers are the only things available in Bunky. But if you wanted a, a bank, then you're out of luck. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we're not allowed a bank. No, what, do, no, what, do you re- what do you reckon of this, Nev? Huh? Is this, uh... I'm going for it. I, I'm uh, the video production department. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 of UK, absolutely. <laughs> bit for this one. Uh, absolutely, yes. Well, I think we should have a go, don't you guys? I mean, to win a competition and actually get paid to do something that you love, Nev, that mm. would be uh, pretty good, I think. I, 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 this, this is massive as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we're going to have a stab at it see how we get on. Oh, absolutely. Neil, Neil are you going to apply for this one? I'm applying now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fill in the forms. Yeah, screw the show. <laughs> oh, dear. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a go at this. I mean, it'd be a great way of getting over my fear of flying. An amazing destination <laughs> yeah. as well. You know, really, you know, Iceland and that. What? Just a uh, bit cold. That's the only bit that makes me nervous about it. Yeah, a bit um, chilly, a bit chilly. But mm, uh, yeah, yeah. going to have to uh, apply for that, I think. Yeah. Oh, dear. Your, di- your dinner that you got me is, is playing havoc. It's the onions. <laughs> Is it? I right. had some okay. onions earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be maybe yeah. trouble ahead. It's probably just as well that they haven't invented smell vision here in the studio, it has to be said. Oh, dear. Uh, it's, uh, no, 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 no. It's just oniony. Calm down, honestly. And with that... Mm. Uh, oh, uh, Lane Street's got a great idea, by the way. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A uh, honeymoon trip for Mrs. Nev. <gasps> yeah, Nev. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just trying to work out how that might go down. <laughs> you, you think she might say no? <laughs> Oh, never mind. So moving on to the next story, and uh, this one, Matt, as always, is uh, for you. Is it? Right. Mm. It's a shame that I'm too busy reading the chat room. Oh, I'm sorry, it's, 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 it's one of those. This is on the TR Weekly website, or TTR Weekly website. What on earth is this? Uh, the Ryanair takes options on the Beast, on the Boeing 737. So Dublin, uh, 26th of April, this, this story was dated, so this was yesterday. Irish budget airline Ryanair has agreed to buy 25 fuel-efficient Boeing 737 passenger planes, exercising part of an option agreed more than three years ago. The pair has announced today on Tuesday. So the 737 MAX 200 aircraft worth uh, in excess of 3 billion US dollars uh, 2.5 billion euros at list prices will help Ryanair to meet its target of carrying 200 million passengers 
passengers a year by 2024. The Dublin-based carrier said in a joint statement, In September 2014, Ryanair bought 100 of the 197-seater planes from Boeing for a list price of 11 billion US dollars, ahead of usual discounting. And with an option to purchase another 100 of the planes that reduce also... that reduce also noise emissions compared to the earlier models. Uh, we are delighted that Ryanair has decided to order an additional 25 higher capacity 737 MAX 8s as it continues to significantly grow its fleet and increase capacity across its network, said a name I'm not even going to try and pronounce, uh, but they are nevertheless the Vice Pre- President of Commercial Sales Bob. and Marketing at Boeing. <clears throat> No, okay, yeah, and that, that, here ends the story. Sorry, <laughs> I was got. I thought you were going to try and pronounce his name. Then no, I'm not. All right, I'll have a go. Here we go. Ich 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 sein Monur. Yeah, you've done well actually. You've done really well there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryanair are going to be uh, getting his aircraft. Um, obviously, I say they start towards the end of this year, right? And uh, it's going to be nice to uh, to see these in the Ryanair fleet. Mm. Obviously, uh, they're going to phase out some of the older. Um, 737-800, some of the, the, the lot older ones, because some of these are actually quite old now, some of the first ones that they got, they uh, brought online. So, mm. uh, yeah, it'd be good to see these. And with their... Oh, hello. Oh, with their ice, ice cream. cream. Ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes, oh. Clever and 99. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be marvellous. How do I get one of those? <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I, I, tell, I tell our friends' little girl that when she hears that sound, it's because they've run out of ice cream. Right. You're a horrible, horrible I know. Uncle. I that know. That is what you are. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Nev, the next story is for you. This is uh, from the Aviation Herald, and it features a British Airways A380-800, just like the one uh, over my shoulder. But this one is Registration (laughs) Golf X-Ray Lima uh, Echo Golf, performing flight BA269 from Heathrow to Los Angeles. Uh, It was en route at flight level 360, about 510 nautical miles northwest of Shannon, when the crew decided to turn around. That's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Oh, oh sorry. And uh, and return to London Heathrow. <laughs> to failure of all lavatories. Uh, what? The aircraft maintained flight level 360 on the way back until reaching Ireland and then descended to flight level 280 to burn off more fuel and landed safely in London about five hours after departure. Passengers reported that the aircraft had been delayed for about two hours whilst maintenance was working on the lavatory systems. In flight, all lavatories failed due to the lack of water prompting... Sorry, due to the lack of water prompting the return to London. They were taken to hotels overnight. A replacement Airbus uh, uh, A380, Registration Golf X-Ray Lima Echo Bravo, departed with a delay of about 23 and a half hours as flight BA 9608 and is currently en route to Los Angeles. The occurrence aircraft remained on the ground for about 25 hours, then returned to service. According to the information the Aviation Herald received, the water supply system lost pressure. A very small part of me is delighted that there was no photographs available accompanying well, that story. Let's face it, it's a long way isn't it to Los Angeles, that's a good yeah. ten and a half hours yeah. on the plane and uh, I mean they could have been knee deep in it by the end of it. Oh. So, <laughs> just as well they, they sold than they did. But I think if you've seen that there's a documentary about the Airbus A380 uh, on one of the Discovery channels or on the aviation channels and uh, it shows you in immense detail the, the pressure systems and the vacuum systems that are used uh, to pump uh, effluent 
backwards and forwards <laughs> along the aircraft and uh, it's extraordinary and he's massively complicated mm. and uh wouldn't be the first time they've had a failure i don't think either so mm. uh but um yeah this is the thing about these high capacity aircraft there's a lot more people on there mm. uh, that require yeah. Um, the functions. Well, yes, yeah. uh, and, and as you say, a long flight like that, you, you can't you can't make it all the way to uh, to uh, Vegas or anywhere like that, can you? No. If you need to. Um, I mean, if you're going to have the toilets pack up on an aircraft, the A380 is not the best aircraft. You know, all, all the people on there. You know, it's uh, right. It's not like it's you not don't like, want to be down to one toilet. No, 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 no. no, no, no let alone no. none. Yes. No. no. <laughs> no. Have um, you have you had the chance to uh, sample the A380, uh, Neil? Uh, no, no. I've been around one or two at Farnborough, places like that. But we get it into our local at Birmingham. But no, I've never been on one. Uh, would love to give it a try. No, yeah. but as lonely if the toilets are working. Well, yes, uh, yeah, indeed. Yes, I think that I think that's a valid point. Yes, make sure the toilets are working before you go. Uh, so uh, the next story, then, uh, Neil, if you, if you'd like to take this one, it's another Airbus story. Okay, and um, this is from. NDTV, who are passing on a report from CNN. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> they start off with this airline just launched the world's longest non stop flight today, and this airline is Singapore Airlines. So, the Singapore Airlines is set to launch the world's first non stop flight with almost 20 hours in the air by the end of this year, the media reported on Thursday. Singapore Airlines' newest plane, the Airbus A350 900 ULR for ultra long range, will travel on a record-breaking, globe-spanning flight that will connect Singapore to New York, reports CNN. Earlier, the airline used to fly the gas-guzzling four-engine A34500 on the 9,500-mile route with just 100 business-class seats on board. The service proved to be inefficient, and Singapore Airlines cancelled the flights in 2013. Singapore Airlines has now taken delivery of Airbus's newest wide-body, the A35900, it has 21 planes in its fleet of an order for 67 aircraft, and it has ordered seven of the ultra-long-range planes. On April 23rd, the plane had its first test flight, an almost five-hour round trip that launched from the airframer's assembly plant in Toulouse, France, a place well worth visiting, by the way. Um, the ultra-long-range will be able to fly a remarkable 11,160 miles, an increase of more than 1,800 miles over the standard A350. It means that Singapore Airlines will reclaim the crown of running the world's longest non-stop air route. Keeping passengers' comfort in mind, the A350s share Airbus design philosophy that makes the cab aircraft cabin feel more like a room rather than a long tube. The plane has... <laughs> I know, maybe smile yeah, as well. Great. Um, <laughs> the plane has high ceilings, sophisticated LED lighting, almost vertical sidewalls and a low noise level. The A350 is a clean sheet design that has been designed for those long-range flights. Florent Petini, Airbus Aircraft Interiors Marketing Director for the A350, told CNN. And finally, the air circulation system on the A350 has also been designed to be quiet and draft-free. Now, I thought this one was right up Med Street, actually, because in an article all about the A350, the picture at the top is of an A380. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> it's it real for my media that goes wrong. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Another one for you, Nev. 
Yeah. Hang on. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, looked, I haven't got to look very far, have you? No, you haven't. This, this is true. Here we go. Look, ladies and gentlemen, you can have a look at this yourself now. Here we go. So, so, so that's what they're talking about. The, what are they talking the about? A350? The A350. The A350. <coughs> and what we're looking at here is... Or well, 380. A what? An A380? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, so okay. It's a bit of an A380. Now, please, please forgive the stupidity <laughs> and the naivety of the weird world that is Matt Smith. But what on earth is the difference between an A380 and an oh, A350? Matt, well, I don't have know. Have you not learned anything, young man? <laughs> well, no, well, I'm, I'm all right with me A320s and A321s. <laughs> I can tell the difference between those. <laughs> well, 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 well. The the 380s is obviously the largest com- uh, uh, commercial Point. passenger aircraft. In the okay, world. twin deck, two decks. Okay, uh, one on top of the other. And right. uh, well, the, the, yeah, but that's got two. Oh, I see. That's the A380. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and the uh, the three the 350 is it's just only single a, deck. It's single. Yeah, but it's uh, oh the dear. twin aisle. Right. That, okay. Um, well, when you put it like that, yes, it yeah. looks glaringly obvious. Yes. Ne- Neville point all this out in his in his, <laughs> in special, his special um, segment, media that segment he does. Yeah, that he's going to be starting soon. Yes. What, what do you reckon, then, Neil? Your your views on a twenty? I mean, twenty hours on on here. A good, uh, good I, a few years ago we flew back from Atlanta to Heathrow with, with Delta on a 767 and <laughs> it was a night flight and I couldn't sleep and it was the longest experience of my really? life and Gosh. that was what an 8-9 hour flight so I think 20 business or first class maybe I could cope with <laughs> right I think that's yeah. the, I think that's the common thing in a chat room I think most people are yeah. saying that um, it, in a business or first See, class I'm, I'm really lucky because I can literally sleep anywhere so I, I mean even if that means being sat oh, I don't want to know uh, <laughs> even if that means I'm sort of sat bolt upright I need to be able to, you know I can pretty much sleep anywhere so Tony S has given right. you D minus for your aircraft recognition has you <laughs> sorry <laughs> wow that's that's actually more generous than I was expecting I've got to be honest I expected a lot Nev, Nev I'm would... sorry Tony I apologise desperately <laughs> is, is, this a, is this a thing for you Nev 20 hours good bad not, well, not really bothered the, but the longest flight i've done so far is 13 and a half hours back from singapore to london having already done seven and a half hours from uh, sydney to singapore with about an hour and a half break <laughs> all of which was in economy and most of which was with a screaming child right oh dearie me no um, so that was 13 and a half hours and i think it's the, the last when you think oh it's not far to go now and you look up the moving map and there's another five and a half, five and a half hours to go. Yes, absolutely. Thinking oh, on no yeah. it, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I will not be doing that uh, in the back. I will have to find a way of a bit of premium economy yeah. or business so I can do that. Uh, I, I, I must say, actually, Liz Piper is Auntie me. Liz. Yeah, I'd yeah. have thought Auntie Liz would have been one of the few people who would have actually been up for a for a long flight. But she says no. twenty hours, three question marks. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. But uh, Paul yeah. Trick has stepped in, and he's yes, uh, I'm being stood, defended. Aren't he's being he's, he's defending saying, Matt. Yes, he's defending yes. him. So there yes. we go. I don't it's, know. It's I one of a, our local listeners. Yeah, that's I, I, why. I've got a I've got a small sneaking <laughs> suspicion he's just being a little bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I think he's being slightly sarcastic. <laughs> if I'm brutally honest, but there we are. Never mind. <laughs> oh, hang on. Tony said, "Poor child, having to sit next to Neville for twenty hours." Oh, Mister Bounce. <laughs> harsh, wasn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Oh. Harsh, but some might say fair. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> moving swiftly on to the next story, and uh, well, this is this is quite an interesting story. I thought because um, I'm I'm guilty of this a few times. Mm, yes. uh, this one is on the Skift. .com website. Right. And uh, the headline is Airlines would prefer passengers to stop stealing their bedding. 
So, on the hand, on one hand, on the one hand, airlines are improving the flying experience, at least for business class. So much passengers want to take a piece home with them. Right. On the other, blanket death is bad for the bottom line. We're pretty sure carriers don't have this problem in coach or economy. Uh, the uh, Skift Airline Innovation Report, uh, which is the the uh, the company, this is had uh, the report is on it says that next time you try uh, to stuff that business class blanket or pillow in your carry-on just know someone's probably watching dear bugger uh, this is what i learned while family reporting show, the story please, carlos family show uh, <laughs> and yes it is classed as theft Bedding from airplanes, it's a problem that uh, they've discovered. It's increased as more airlines have upgraded their pillows, blankets, and duvets, often in partnership with uh, big-name brands such as Sucks, Fifth Avenue, The White Company, oh, no, those are White Company, Gemma loves those, and Casper. Uh, people, people go, oh, my God, this is the White Company bedding. It's lovely, and then they take it off the aircraft with them. Yeah, I don't blame them, uh, which is not what they're supposed to do, one insider told this reporter. It's enough of a problem some airlines need to order extra pieces to replace stolen items. Now for the good news. If you want to call it, uh, airlines will send their corporate security teams to investigate passengers who repeatedly flout <laughs> fair rules, but they almost look the other way if you take their bedding, preferring not to create drama over a $12 duvet. You right there, Matt? Mm -hmm. And uh, the, Sorry, uh, this talk of duvets I is know. making me feel sleepy. Uh, <laughs> and they've been surprised at how many people think the blanket is theirs to take. Now, now look here. Now I'm going to interrupt you here because actually, <laughs> I, I'm I'm with with everyone else, frankly, on this one. If you are paying what I can only describe as <laughs> absorbent <laughs> fees to be able to travel in business class, all right, maybe not so much if you used all your Avios points to do it, but nevertheless, I I think you should be allowed to take home a blanket if you want to. I'm sorry. Yeah, just that point of order here, Matt. I mean, if someone took you to a nice, expensive restaurant in Norwich, for example. No ooh. such thing. I'm sorry. Well, I know. It's probably a slight, <laughs> slight misnomer there, isn't it? But if they did, and if there was one... And you said, oh, that's very nice, thanks very much. And you decided to take the tablecloth and the cutlery home with you. That would be considered bad form, probably, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, all right. Yes, but it's aviation-related. I, I, I see what you did there, Nev. Very good. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have to say, I, I, I put my hands up. I have a Delta blanket, <gasps> a version oh, Atlantic blanket. I'm not going to... Oh. And I possibly might have a Thompson, an old oh, Thompson Airways one oh, as well. You're, you're, it's, um, it's verging on a problem. I know, uh, but you know, I, this is. I've only ever flown coach, so I, 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 I'm, I, I've left the itchy, is, scratchy blanket. This where is it was. aviation memorabilia. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of the future here. You know, my so Thompson that, that blanket salt, is worth a fortune now. Is, well, <laughs> because it's no longer that, Thompson; yeah. it's Tui. And the salt and pepper pox that you very kindly brought here. Oh no, they were oh, donated right. by okay. a, a they, certain. Uh, right, aviation okay. podcaster from the US. Borrowed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <coughs> but uh, no, I, I pillows. No, I can't think I've ever wanted to, to take a uh, an airline pillow home. But right. uh, blankets, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure that helps, Carlos. But thanks anyway. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I mean, what does the chat room think about this? Oh dear, no! Don't ask them. Blimey. Uh, Tony S has said, "You know, the blankets aren't new or clean." Well, I, I wash them when I get them home. And uh, Richard Adams has said that free, or free blanket with every six thousand pounds spent. Reasonable. Well, I agree. <laughs> this is this is it's like 
<laughs> Andy Wilson saying that uh, you mean the four crystal glasses, three plates, and cutlery weren't meant to be left on the aircraft? Quite right. Whoops. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Appreciate that. <laughs> I, I'm guessing, Nev, in your obviously prestigious status that you have, you sure, wouldn't, wouldn't dream of um, <laughs> removing said items from aircraft. Do you know what this? This sounds like a, some I'm some sort of goody goody, but, but I, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, but, I, I officially um, have issues. Uh, <laughs> well, not even a BA blanket. <gasps> no. Actually, you know, sometimes they're not very good. They're all a bit scratchy for for my mm. sensitive skin. Anyway, oh. So oh. I'm very very <laughs> nice. But, so, no, it's just not in my. DNA, really. Yeah, well, uh, Richard Adams. Yeah. Richard Adams yeah. pointed out that he wouldn't, that you wouldn't be nearly stealing stuff anyway, Nev, because you have staff to do that. <laughs> and Lane Street, honestly, Lane, he said he tried to take a flight attendant home once, but it didn't go down too well. <gasps> That's outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Always rely on our wonderful listeners to lower the I know. I know. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, um, so we're going to move on to the next story, Matt. Uh, oh. The next. He's <laughs> sorry. Oh, it's me. <laughs> I've been chatting um, again. The next story I? is. Uh, it's See, this is why I don't normally put the chat room. It's very distracting. I know, it's distracting. <laughs> anyway, so the headline on moneycontrol.com website is Airline to put contest winners' photos on Boeing 737 planes. So apart from these six, five random people, so apart from these six, five random people will also receive a set of return tickets each. The winners for these will be chosen through a lucky draw. So how cool would it be to have your own face Oh, no. Uh, on a Boeing 737 flying in the sky. And what better than you fly in that same plane? So a South African airline is organising a contest to choose six winners whose face will be plastered to six aeroplanes, one on each plane, obviously, uh, the company operates. Each winner will also receive two round trips to see their face in the sky. The competition is being organised by, is it Kalula? Kalula. Kalula Airways. And is open to any adult who subscribes to to Kalula.com newsletter. A participant has to submit one's portrait... To, oh, a participant has to... That's a bit posh. Uh, a partic- did you write this, Nev? Sorry. Uh, a participant has to submit one's portrait to enter the, into the competition. The last date uh, to send in the entries is April the 30th. Once the picture is submitted, Koala... Uh, koala? Koala. No, no. <laughs> Kulala Kula- produces Kalula. a simulation video of how a participant's face would look on the plane. Winners will be chosen during three separate selection processes at the discretion of the promoter based on the funniest, silliest and wackiest faces submitted, the company said in the statement. Apart from these six, five random people will also receive a set of return tickets each. The uh, winners for these will also be chosen through a lucky draw. The airline is active in South Africa and flies to destinations in Zimbabwe, Zambia, Nambia, Mauritius and Kenya. There we are. So what what did it say? Is this like the competition is being organised? Once the picture is submitted, Kulala produces a simulation video of how a participant's the face, face will look, look on the aeroplane. So where do we go to do this? I'm going to do this while you you're remember, reading the next stories. We, we were talking about this before the show, me and Matt. If you remember, a few, well, a, quite a few, I think it was last year, we covered a story about Kulala. And Kulala are an airline that, that had these kind of wacky images mm-hmm. on the sides of their aircraft with things like saying this is the door and mm-hmm. this is where the captain sits and this is you know and they had all these wacky things on the side and to to have something like this i mean i'm kind i'm sort of visioning uh, nev force one with you know with oh. uh, nev's uh, yeah, face on the side of it. what what do you think nev 
I quite like the idea, actually. I might uh, see if I can uh, send him a photo <laughs> in, see what they think. <laughs> Neil, is this one for you or not? Yeah, I like it. Um, I think more and more airlines you see now are white or mostly white or monochrome. D- um, nice, no, very interesting. I don't know what you lot are up to. I'm doing it right now. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Photoshop. No, no, no. Uh, I'm busy. I'm busy doing it now. Oh, he's yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt's face will be on a Kalula aircraft somewhere in the world. No, no, no. Absolutely. No, I, yeah. I was. I was going to use the brand. I was going to. Oh, put, well, oh, uh, yeah. PTUK. I'm putting the PTUK logo. Oh, on that there. would I don't be. Know what you're doing. Oh, yes, yeah. that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah I'm on it. Good idea. Yeah, I'm on it. Right. So moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, this one is uh, a a bit of a interesting worrying story but there we go yes it is and it's on the cnn.com website and more stealing from aircraft Uh (gasps) i blame carlos for all of it quite an apple (laughs) and an honest mistake have saddled one delta passenger with a 500 hundred dollar fine and a big bureaucratic headache crystal tadlock got off a plane last week in minneapolis after an eight and a half hour flight from paris she was supposed to connect a uh, supposed to catch a connecting flight home to Denver, so she decided to save an apple she had been given as part of the in-flight. Oh, no. Service. I put it in my bag, not thinking anything of it, she told CNN. Um, and But before her next flight, she had to go through customs, where she was stopped by customs and border protection agent. Anyone who's ever travelled internationally may know what came next. Apples and most form of fresh produce are typically a customs violation and need to be declared on a passenger customs form. Well, what do we have here? Tadlock said the agent told her. Well, we have an apple. This is a civil violation. Only in America. Tadlock (laughs) tried to explain that the apple was clearly from Delta because it was in a Delta branded clear bag along with some silverware from the flight. She said the agent was convinced and told her that there was no way to know whether the apple had come from somewhere else in France instead. Then he asks me if my flight to France was expensive, she said, and proceeds to say it's about to get a whole lot more expensive. They know how to do customer service there, don't they? <laughs> she offered to throw the apple away, but she was. She says she was taken back to, to taken to a back room at the airport and served penalty papers that stated she had twenty days to pay the fine. Uh-oh. When she contacted Delta about the incident, they responded by tweeting the agricultural rules and regulations, which state that many food products are prohibitive, prohibited entry into the U.S. because many carry, carry plant pests oh, and course, foreign. Yeah animal diseases the rules are fairly clear but there was a few circumstances that she said complicated her situation first of all she said that she had global entry and this was her first time flying with it and uh, i've actually done that uh, last week at the u.s Mm. embassy in london and this enables you to go uh, allows u.s citizens as well to go through an expedited process upon returning from an international trip um, and according to information from the Customs and Border Protection Program, people with global entry are required to answer the, uh, answer the customs declaration questions presented out on the entry kiosk, but it will need, but will not need to complete uh, the paper customs declaration form before arrival. Also, she said she didn't think anything of the apple because it was supplied on the flight. Why give fruit, she asks. Just hand out granola bars or something that won't cause an issue. Good point. Um, and uh, Delta said that the rules and regulations regarding customs items are made very clear at airport entry points and forms. 
Delta recommends all passengers comply with US customs and border protection rules and regulations when entering the country, the airline told CNN in a statement. The Delta representative also said that the apple was intended to be consumed on the plane. She had filed a complaint with the CBP against the border patrol agent because she said he was unnecessarily rude and deemed to take pleasure in her unfortunate situation. However, she's still on the hook for $500 and has her global entry status revoked. It took me six to seven months to get and it cost me £160, she said. And the funny thing is the fine was £500 because I had global entry. If I didn't have it, the fine would have been less. Uh, while she's trying to get it all sorted out, she says she hopes that at least some good will have come of her situation. If all else fails and I have to pay, maybe it will help someone in the future, she says, even if it's Delta putting a note in the bag about uh, the apple. That is a very good point, actually, and I think that's a very easy mistake to make. And just uh, looking at it as a sort of a from an outsider's point of view, I think they were a little bit um, ham-fisted with the way they handled that. Cause that could yeah. have been dealt with very easily, uh, mm. but they decided to blow it up in something quite big. But when you go through the global entry program, as I did last week, there's lots and lots of questions they ask you, and they probably know more about you than you do. So um, you've got to play. Well, there rules, is that. But it's genuinely an easy mistake to make, I would say. Okay, going back to our earlier story, I have uh, 12 seconds of pure joy uh, to share with those of you watching on YouTube right really? now. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go then, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if if you're, you're watching on YouTube, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I might have just put Carlos on the airplane. Sorry about that. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, oh I'm not even going to ask how you've done that, Matt. I don't ask. That's the best thing. Yeah. The uh, uh, good news is you might you might be about to win a ticket. To <laughs> You've just been entered into a prize draw. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for that. It's my absolute pleasure. Oh uh, dear. So anyway, moving on yeah. from apples uh, and planes. Uh, we'll, apples and uh, planes. We'll, apples and planes. We'll go on to the next story, Neil, and uh, this one's for you. Okay. Uh, this is from the Times of Oman. Uh, Muscat Airport wins the Middle East Tourism Development Award. Uh, the new passenger terminal building at Muscat International Airport has won the 2018 World Travel Awards Middle East's leading new tourism development project for this year. Take a breath. Recognising the great efforts of Oman airports along with our stakeholders, Muscat Airport wins the 2018 World Travel Awards as the Middle East's leading new tourism development project for 2018 Oman airports announced in a statement on Thursday. The 25th World Travel Awards held in Ras al Kaima is one of the pres most prestigious international awards which recognises travel and tourism projects. Thank you to everyone who voted for Muscat Airport and helped us to win the World Travel Awards 2018 as Middle East's leading new tourism development project 2018, Amman Airport said. Um, Amman's new international airport has already welcomed over 1 million passengers as it celebrated its first month of operations. The new passenger terminal covers a total of 580,000 square metres and is equipped with the latest technology and state-of-the-art state facilities which will help put it among the top 20 airports in the world by 2020. The new terminal has also been designed with security and safety at its core using state-of-the-art biometric smart technology to track any unauthorised access or inconsistencies. Uh, even the traffic flow is much easier as the airport's authorities have segregated arrivals and departures. Another striking feature is that Muscat International Airport is a silent airport, ensuring passengers rely more on digital display boards for information about their flights. 
Airline officials said very few passenger boarding calls are being made in the departure check-in areas and boarding gates area at the new terminal of Muscat International Airport. I have to say, I've travelled through the uh, Muscat, the original terminal building, quite a few times now, both me and Gemma have. And we've been watching over the years, we've been travelling out there, watching them build um, this new terminal building and stuff uh, at uh, in Oman. And for anyone who's been out there, or might, might have been out to, or had the chance to go out to Oman, this, the site that this has been built on is huge. Really? It is it's just massive like everything else is in the Middle East Um, but uh, yeah watch this being built and it's it's safe to say that I think if uh, I don't know if they've rearranged how the um, the taxiways and stuff are here but where this has been built in regard in respect to the the main sort of the older part of the airport it's quite a journey uh, from there taxiway wise so I think (laughs) they're I think they've got dedicated gates here um, at this new this new terminal and stuff for well for flights that are international flights and stuff mm. but um it's uh yeah it's it's it is an amazing country i will say that oman but um yeah, it'd be nice to fly you, into you go here. you go there quite quite yeah we have friends there yeah. we're lucky we've got friends there so uh, we stay with them but uh they are there is one of the things like uh, neil was saying there the big things which even in the older airport was that the security levels and stuff are fairly high really even for an old airport yeah they're fairly um on the on their game when it comes good. to security. Good, that's so what we like to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Next story then on uh, Flight Global, this one. We've got a bit of an Airbus kind of theme. We're going to be rolling for the next three right. stories. Uh, but this is on Flight Global. And uh, the the headline is especially for Captain Nick, this one. Uh, <laughs> Airbus encouraged by laminar-winged A340 trial. Now, we've been... We had this story a few week or a few months back about the laminar wing tests uh, for uh, for reducing drag. So Airbus uh, has said that the drag reducing effects of the experimental wings on its laminar flow demonstrator aircraft are proving better than previously thought, making uh, application of the technology on next generation aircraft more feasible. In September 2017, the Airframer began flight test campaign with an Airbus A340 that had been modified modified with the reshaped outer wing sections to assess natural laminar flow on the aerofoil's upper surface. Some 66 flight hours have been completed under the uh, partly EU-funded project dubbed Breakthrough Laminar Aircraft Demonstrator in Europe, uh, or BLADE, uh, said Airbus Senior Vice President Research and Technology uh, Axel Flaig, speaking to the ILA Airshow in Berlin on the 25th of April. He says laminar flow could be observed from the aircraft's first flight and that the flow is more stable than expected. While the theory and potential benefits of having an orderly laminar rather than a turbulent airflow in the boundary layer around the wings have been known since the 1980s, the challenge has been to manufacture wings on an industrial scale that are smooth and aerodynamically stable enough to sustain the benefits in regular airline operations. A key area of the blade project has been how to assess the uh, robust uh, the laminar flow is when the wing flexes and twists in the air and which design methods can be employed to build such aerofoils. Airbus uh, and its industrial partners constructed the left wing laminar flow section with an integrated upper wing surface and leading edge which was made of carbon fibre and required an extremely high degree of accuracy. The right wing section followed a more conventional design with a carbon fibre upper wing surface and separate metallic leading edge. Flag acknowledges small differences in aerodynamic effects between the two structures but both, he says, uh, both wings sustainably generate the desired effect. The manufacturer 
is very confident that the project will achieve more than we targeted, he said. And Airbus estimates that laminar flow wings could reduce drag by around 10%, cutting fuel burn by 5% on an 800 nautical mile or 1,480 kilometre sector. Furthermore, the aerodynamic benefits could be sustained during flight tests at uh, Mach 0.78, a typical cruise speed for the A320 family jets. While Airbus previously, uh, previously predicted that the aircraft would need to fly at uh, Mach 0.75 to deliver the fuel savings. Flag says the tests have shown the door is wide open to employ the technology on a potential next-generation single-aisle aircraft from the late 2020s. Tests are scheduled to continue until 2019 with a plan to assess the effects of wing contamination on the laminar flow and to install a fixed Kruger flap. Such a device is being considered as potential protection against insect contamination on the leading edge which could disturb the laminar flow and as a high lift device for taking off and landing. So laminar flow, we, uh, we, like I said, we covered this story. I think it was last year we covered this story. And I think um, it's uh, going to benefit definitely the airlines. It's going to hopefully saving fuel. Uh, less fuel burn is always a good thing. And it would be nice to think, actually, that this technology could uh, reduce the costs of, uh, of, you know, of running mm. an airline and obviously put that uh, reduction down to a ticket cost. <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck flying. with that. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. I, I mean, I, the only thing I would say is maybe it will prevent it from going up. What the price? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah, not yeah. the aircraft. Yeah, no, 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 not the aircraft. But yeah. it might, it might mean that uh, the price is held as you know at its current sort of twenty eighteen rate, yeah. rate for say twenty nineteen or something or whenever they come into production. And so on to the next story, another Airbus, uh, right? where we do really do appear to be being sponsored by Airbus today. I don't know quite what's going on here, Carlos. Uh, right. But anyway, this is on the Reuters. Uh, the Reuters uh, website, and uh, the headline is Airbus confirms plans to raise the A320 output to 63 a month. So wow. Airbus plans to increase the production of single-aisle A320 family aircraft to 63 a month, a company spokesman has said. Uh, the production increase, first reported by France's La Tribune, will take effect in 2019, accelerating previous plans to lift output to 60 aircraft a month by uh, the same deadline. The, the plans were unveiled to suppliers in a letter earlier this month, the spokesman said. Uh, Airbus currently produces 55 A320 family aircraft a month, according to an industry source. However, one of Airbus's leading engine suppliers declined to endorse the new production plan publicly, saying it was too early to make such a commitment amid a switch over between engine models taking place as assembly lines run at record speeds. As of today, we are not in a position to commit ourselves to higher volumes. Uh, Safran, who CEO, Safran CEO Philippe Petitcon said, uh, we, we understand the needs of our clients, and if we were able to respond favourably, we will do so. But we don't want to start discussions on a commitment beyond what was agreed 18 months ago uh, in early 2019. Uh, it is not immediately clear whether a higher Airbus target of 63 jets a month, which has been circulating for some time, had already been anticipated in those previous discussions. Through their CFM joint venture, Safran and GE are changing models to the Leap engine, which has faced some delivery delays. The engine powers um, the engine power, the latest version of the Boeing 737, and about half of the A320 Neo line sold by Airbus. Uh, Petty Collin and said Saffron 
was predicting a 1,100 Leap engine deliveries in 2018, a number slightly shy of GE's forecast uh, as a matter of caution, but did not exclude output touching 1,200. Uh, Saffron had previously adopted a conservative view on production increases as engine makers adapt to the new models and put increased demands on already stressed supply chains. Looking beyond 2019, Airbus is studying a long-term plan to raise output of its best-selling jet to as high as 75 a month, said the industry source, who is familiar with the company's planning. Airbus Chief Executive Tom Enders has spoken of proposals to raise production to 70 a month over an undefined period, reflecting rising air travel and strong commercial jet demand. In the United States, it's his counterpart at Boeing said on Wednesday it continues to see upward pressure on production rates of the 737, but held short of announcing a production high. Boeing is successfully coping with recent supply problems with the 737 engines and fuselages and will make disciplined output decisions. Uh, the CEO De Dennis Muhlenberg also told analysts Boeing aims to reach production of 57 of the narrow body jets per month in 2019. Now I think it's safe to say that the A320 has been an insanely popular oh God, yeah. aircraft yeah. Um, for Airbus and mm. you know I mean there are I mean, I mentioned EasyJet as as merely one very regular customer of said aircraft, but uh, I mean they're used all over the world, aren't they? Sixty-three aircraft a month—that is a phenomenal it's a big number, amount. It's such yeah. a, just you know when you look at uh, at what makes an an A three twenty. You know, we're not talking about mm. just the the fuselage and, and stuff. We're talking about all the the electrics and mm. all the various hydraulics components and stuff which make up the aircraft. Sixty three a month. You know, that is a phenomenal amount of aircraft to push through on a production line. What do you think, Nev? These guys are smashing it, aren't they? They really are. Um, and bearing in mind how many different plants around the UK and the rest of Europe actually are involved in producing these series of aircraft, it's absolutely incredible that, that they can do it. But it's been a very popular series uh, from the, uh, the A319, 20 and 21, and uh, it's offered good reliability and clear, clearly very good uh, fuel burn figures, and it's very popular with the passengers as well. And the crews alike, so um, yeah, uh, they they can do no wrong at the moment. And they've uh, it's quite interesting because that aircraft, I think, first flew in 1988, something yeah, like it, that, yeah. isn't it? Um, and uh, at the time, obviously, it was a brand new, you know, high technology 150 seater aircraft. A lot of problems at the beginning. I hear lots of things about software and all sorts of other bits and pieces. But uh, as things settle down, it's proved to be a, a really uh, popular uh, piece of commercial transport. True. So but Neil, I have to say, I have to ask Neil, are you a, are you an Airbus or a Boeing man? Oh, I I very do really like the seven three seven actually, but um, we've been on a tour of the Airbus factory in Finkenwerder in Hamburg, and it is an amazingly incredible place. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, myself and Owen had a, a tour of the one in uh, Toulouse. And again, that's the only reason that's officially become my favourite aircraft. I may change my mind once I've had a tour of the Boeing factory, obviously, because I'm <laughs> basically that fickle when it comes to uh, aviation. But uh, yeah, it, it is. It's an amazing factory. It is literally, and I presume it's the same in Hamburg, where it is literally a city, isn't it, that is purely mm. dedicated to the creation of Airbus and its aircraft, you know. So the people that make yeah. the engines are there and, and the people that make the seats are based there and all that kind of thing. It's you have a look around there, and I mean, as you say, it is absolutely enormous. Um, 
there's a lovely place to sit right next to the runway and you can watch all sorts of things coming and going all day so 63 sounds like a huge number but having been there and seen that i can well believe that they could do it yeah i quite believe it mm. yeah i quite believe it so uh nev uh the <laughs> matt's put on again <laughs> nev the next story is yours <laughs> this is another favorite aircraft of mine actually i'm itching to go on one of these so i've got to find somebody somewhere that's flying and that i can go on one probably Ooh. swiss i think or something like that but uh, airbus is reportedly going to rename its newly acquired bombardier c-series jet are you sure and that's it, are you sure that's said correctly never <coughs> no i'm not sure um <laughs> are you sure it's not bombardier sorry several, <laughs> several different pronunciations as we go through yes. the article okay good excellent I, i'm pleased um, to hear it uh, but of course they they announced the acquisition of, of this uh, jet uh, in october and they're thinking of renaming it. So the Bombardier C-Series may soon be renamed the A200 family, sources told Bloomberg's Benjamin D. Katz and Frederick Tomesco. More specifically, the CS100 and CS300 would be redesignated the A210 and A230. That could be confusing. It sounds like a Mercedes-Benz. However, the source also told Bloomberg that no formal decision had been made yet, but an Airbus spokesman could not confirm the rumours. However, the company did tell Business Insider that it believes that its deal with Bombardier will bring tremendous value to the C-Series programme, and that they are confident that Airbus can help make that programme even more successful. The A200 moniker would allow Airbus to market the C-Series with a name that's in line with the rest of its lineup. The renaming of an airliner is far from a common occurrence, but it's something that has happened before. Following Boeing's 1997, <laughs> Donald Douglas is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh. That became the Boeing 717-200. Airbus acquired 50.1% of the C-Series program in October. However, mechanisms within the deal will see the Europe aeroplane maker take 100% ownership of the C-Series program within five years. Airbus made no upfront financial commitment in the C-Series, but will provide its procurement, marketing, sales and customer support expertise. In addition, Airbus also indicated that the C-Series production would also take place at its plant in Mobile, Alabama. At the time of the deal, Bombardier was mired in the middle of a trade dispute with Boeing and under threat from a proposed 299.45% tariff levied upon it by the US Commerce Department. This dispute came about when Boeing alleged that its business was hurt by the low prices Delta received in its 2016 order for 75 C-Series jets. According to Boeing, these prices were only possible with the assistance of Canadian government subsidies. Uh, in January, the US International Trade Commission struck down the proposed tariffs ending the dispute and uh, I know we shouldn't get too political on this show but surely uh, good too um, <laughs> I think uh, this, this is uh, a really good aircraft I think uh, it suits Airbus very well actually so it's mm. going to be a, a great addition to their lineup. yeah agreed yeah we've had uh, um, uh, Graham Haley in the chat room has said that he saw a couple of the Swiss C-Series jets departing London Heathrow at the weekend. Uh, he said they perform very well and were off the ground well before any of the other aircraft. Really? Yeah. 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 Didn't hang about. So there we go. Get, and, and that's the the Bombardier, is it? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> so there we go, uh, Nev. Get yourself. Look, I'm, uh, I'm happy now. It's get yourself fine, some so. tickets on Swiss. Mm, yeah. yeah. And uh, what uh, are you, are you a, a Bombardier uh, fan at all, Neil? 
Yeah, they're very nice. Um, again, like the chat room mentioned, um, we've seen them uh, Swiss fly out of Birmingham, and yeah, they get up very, very quickly. Yeah, look nice. I think it uh, would be a very, very big success for the feeder markets yeah. in the US. I think. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to uh, to the last uh, story then, and uh, Neil, that one's for you. Okay. Uh, ANA is to equip its A380s with 520 seats. Um, so ANA, all Nippon Airways, ANA will equip its three on-order Airbus A380s with 520 seats, the second highest seat density deployed on the type. Four-class configuration includes 383 economy class seats on the main deck, says ANA. The upper deck will have 137 seats with eight in first class, 56 in business, and 73 in premium economy. Flight Fleet's analyzer shows that this will be the world's second densest A380 configuration. Emirates has 13 A380s equipped with 615 seats. The average seat count across the world's 221 in-service A380s is 496. ANA says that Jamco produced the first-class seats, Zodiac Aerospace the business-class seats, and Zim both economy and premium economy. So ANA will come into service with the type in spring 2019 and will operate on the Tokyo to Honolulu route. ANA's A380s will be powered by Rolls-Royce Trent 900 engines. Its first A380 entered final assembly in Toulouse this month. This marks the first time ANA has offered first class on this resort route and its aim is to provide passengers with a luxurious onboard experience. Each seat features its own door and provides passengers with the privacy they need to enjoy their personal space. Acknowledging that the Honolulu route is popular with couples, including newlyweds, business class offers several rows of seats directly next to each other, dispensing with the fishbone configuration found in many business classes. In addition, economy class includes 60 couch seats. Hmm. This makes ANA the first in Japan to introduce a couch seat concept, it says, each couch is comprised of three or four seats and passengers are able to lie on the seats by folding up the leg rests. In addition, passengers will receive a dedicated mattress that will provide them with further comfort and which presumably they have to leave on the aircraft when they leave. The aircraft, the, sorry, the carrier expects the couches to be particularly popular among families travelling with small children. In addition, the three aircraft will have unique Hawaii-themed liveries these are designed to symbolise the sky, ocean, and sunset, and they look really, really nice. They do actually. Yeah, we're looking. Really. We're looking at that on YouTube feed yes. now, and looking really good. That's no. it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, we, actually, while well, while you were sat reading that story now, we're just looking at those um, them, those couch seats. Mm. Hadn't actually yeah. seen those before, and. Yeah. Um, it's it's quite an interesting seat it's an, option, it's, it's interesting I, um, I don't know about families I'd, I'd like that on my own Definitely. well yeah I, I know but I think you'd need like four seats that's the trouble yeah, that's you've got to buy four seats, buy four seats to... yeah. have yeah. you seen these uh, these couch seats before uh, uh, Nev no I haven't and there's for, for me there's always an excuse to do sort of you know high density configuration and that kind of stuff and <laughs> the, the, these are words I don't like the sound of no, no good point yes <laughs> yeah absolutely high density is not something that is uh, uh, that, that uh, a man of a fuller figure shall we say is right. particularly keen on I think <laughs> it, it struck me as a little bit obvious because they're putting these seats in so you know come on our aircraft and take up four seats but presumably they want to fill it 
Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. As, I, as I suppose, if it's families, then then at least you can all cuddle up together. I suppose so. It's sort of slightly, <laughs> slightly, you know. So if it's two adults and two two kids, then then you can sort of, you know, sort of you don't mind sort of wrapping your legs around each other. But I suppose if, uh, if you know, if, if I'm sat there next to a total stranger, I may I may feel less keen to do so. What did you say, Nev? I'm slightly worried. I just said you speak for yourself. No, right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Some of us, that's all. We're grateful for what we can, whatever we can get. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I don't, I don't think uh, that there isn't an airline in the world that, that, that operates the A380 that has yet to use it to its maximum capacity because, right. you know, these, the 380s are built to hold uh, quite a few more people than, uh, than uh, what right. A&A are using. So, um, in, you know, in a full, full economy mm. kind of... Uh, uh, thing, so. Tony is saying that Air New Zealand apparently used them. Yeah, do Air New Zealand? Yeah, apparently. Eight hundred, isn't it? You can get in all the continents. Really? Wow. Yeah. Eight hundred. Wow. Yeah, they call it yeah. the Sky Couch apparently. In on, on the, the Sky Couch. Yeah. yeah so that is where we bring uh, the commercial news segment to a close this week. Uh, we have got some military news coming up a little bit later in the show, but uh, we have got uh, coming up now. Uh, we're going to hand things over to Nev. So Nev, uh, what's uh, coming up next? Do you remember the two hundredth show? And I can't believe that now? was fourteen weeks ago. I suppose wasn't oh, it? Really. Um, Absolutely incredible how, how the time has gone. Well, uh, we had a great time down there, and mm. thanks to everybody that came down. And uh, during the, what well, straight after the show, actually, um, I did a load of interviews with uh, as many people as I could that, that were there. And uh, um, we thought we'd start to play a few of these out now, because um, I haven't actually listened to any for a while. I was just listening to this one the other day. I thought, oh, this would be a really nice one to play out. So uh, this one features uh, myself talking to Andy from the A320 podcast and uh, also Captain Al. So uh, off we go, let's play it. Well, here I am, we've just finished the show, and uh, Al's been talking to Andy from the A320 podcast, who's very kindly come down to see what all this fuss is about. And uh, all he's seen so far is a bunch of aviation weirdos and some chicken nugget action going on. But I did enjoy the chicken nugget action, that was very good. I was going to ask you, is this what you expected? From Al, yes. Disappointed to the lack of training from Al. Um, we've discussed this, he really should have worked on it um, a couple of weeks minimum, but he's done nothing, so you know, we're not surprised now. If he told us this before we opened the book, we might have had uh, lower odds on him, but uh, no, no, it's been brilliant so far, it's been a great day. Yeah, great bunch of people, and from all walks of life, uh, those who just enjoy aviation, professional pilots, amateur pilots, all sorts of... Yeah, I was going to say that was uh, Al's uh, gone off there, clearly, but... Um, so, uh, what brings you down here? You just wanted to uh, just see what's going on, see the guys down here? Yeah, well, it's the first time I've ever met any of you guys, especially from uh, Plain Talk and then the APG guys as well. And uh, yeah, I thought I'd come down and meet people and see people. It's nice to put names to face. Well, I've seen all the faces before, the joys of Skype these days. But yeah, it's, um, it's been really good. So. The only thing you don't know is how tall or short people are, but you, just, you know their faces, don't you? So. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. Everybody sat down normally when I see you on the, uh, on the old YouTube. Yeah, so yeah, it's been really good. I've enjoyed it so far. And obviously, uh, you're an Airbus man, but you've had some 737 experience too, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yeah, I still do some instructing on the 737, so I'm looking forward to having a bit of a go and embarrassing myself. Mm. Normally, I sit in the back, not the front, so uh, yeah. I have to say, the standard of landings has been particularly high today, so uh, the, the bar is, has been set uh, pr- pretty high, so uh, you've got a lot to live up to. I'll, I'll bring that mean down quite quickly. <laughs> 
I can guarantee that. Always set the bar low for yourself. That's the best. Uh, yeah, quite. Then you're not disappointed, are you? What about uh, the, the differences between the two aircraft, the manufacturers? Do you, do you prefer the Airbus style or the Boeing style of working? I prefer nowadays the Airbus style, especially from an operational point of view. It makes flying a long four sector day a lot easier because there's l less set up work to do and less things to change. A lot of it's automated. But to handle, I prefer the 737, especially in. Uh, heavy winds, really strong crosswinds, because you've got the direct input, especially on the Sharklet fitted uh, A320s. Beautiful design, exceptional design actually, because it makes the wing extremely efficient, just makes it really twitchy and roll. But you can always get a good landing out of a Sharklet because the ground effect on it is beautiful and it just sinks in, sinks in the runway, lovely. Brilliant. Now let me ask you about the podcast that you're doing, because the, the stuff that you and Matt do is absolutely superb. How did that come about? Um, it was all Matt's idea to begin with, really. He came to me and said, oh, I've got this idea for a podcast. I said, oh, OK. Um, and he said, oh, you like all your technical side of stuff. Do you fancy getting involved? I said, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll give it a shot, see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, we just started out with the first few basic episodes and people started to really like it and we got a lot of feedback. We've just built it up from there and um, it's getting good now. We've got the recent episode we did, it wasn't a320 stuff it was about um aviation fitness and looking after yourself and people have really got on board with that we've had a lot of feedback from other people involved in other sides of things especially fatigue and they want to come on and do some interviews and put their points of view across so yes yeah, so we're sort of expanding it quite a bit now interesting now um i am only so you know an amateur enthusiast shall we say and uh, even though your podcast is very technical at times um I get past sort of ECAM warnings and I go, oh, well, I don't know what that next bit means. But you seem to have made it so um, accessible for all sorts of people. And I, I'm, I'm really impressed with that. Yeah, well, I always thought, what would I like to know? I'm just a northern lad from a little mining village. I'm not the brightest out there. Um, and I've always looked at these manuals and thought at times, what does this actually even mean? So when you sit and break it down and you take the flight crew techniques manual as well and the QRH and just take the chunks that you need and explain it in plain English, everything makes a lot more sense. And I mean, the manuals as well, at times, the French to English is pretty appalling, as Al knows. Um, so it was just really the idea of how can we make this simple to understand for everybody who flies an aeroplane? Because we're not all test pilots, we're not all geniuses. So that was the whole reason behind it. It seems to have worked. Yeah. So you brought some sort of technical interpretation of, of the written word into an audio format. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. And we always suggest that people sort of listen to it then look at the manuals or listen to it while they're looking at the manuals as well so they can follow through what we've looked at and understand it all. But yeah, that was the whole point and it seems to really have worked. Oh, brilliant, Andy. Well, I know everybody appreciates your work so much and uh, it's, a, a, it's not, you know, the, the, as we all know, this stuff takes a lot of time, uh, but it's really worthwhile. Yeah, no, and uh, we do it as a sideline to our SIM training business as well, uh, which we've got access to all A320 SIMs, 737 SIMs and stuff like that, and uh, we offer instruction on stuff like that as well. So it's, it's a bit of a sideline to help everybody develop their knowledge, and uh, yeah, we've really enjoyed doing it, and we're glad that we get a, a good feeling from the feedback that we get as well. It's all really nice. Makes it all worthwhile. Well, just while I've been talking to Andy, I've got uh, Al sitting next to me as well. And uh, Al, have you listened to the A320 podcast? I am indeed a subscriber, and uh, it's an extremely useful uh, and educational podcast on a multitude of levels. Uh, my dad, who isn't an A320 pilot, he listens. 
obviously I'm a 320 pilot, I listen, and we both get a huge amount of satisfaction out of it. And uh, at my new airline, I can think of at least five people who've come up to me and said, do you know the A320 podcast people by any chance, because I'm British? Um, so I'm pleased to say now that for the first time, I've actually managed to put at least one of the duo in the flesh, as it were. So uh, I'll be able to, uh, to go back and say, yeah, yeah, I, I do know the guys. You know. So um, it's great. And I, I think that the more and more people who get to listen to it, more and more people are going to subscribe. Um, and I know that's going to pose you some challenges to just keep growing and growing it, but there's a, a huge spectrum of subjects that you can cover. Um, so I've got every confidence in both of you and Matt's capabilities in letting that run and run. Absolutely superb. Now, how do you think Andy's managed, and Matt has managed to make you know, the QRH and, and the flight manual a bit more digestible for, for the average uh, A320 first officer or captain? Well, clearly they're both very intelligent and knowledgeable, so that's a good starting point. And I'm going to speculate here, and I might be proven wrong, but sometimes if you've got access to a simulator, you can actually do a bit of experimenting and see, right, this is what the manual says, but what does it actually mean? Let's press these buttons and see what actually happens. Now, you can't do that on the real aeroplane. Experimentation on the real aeroplane is not really to be encouraged. Uh, well, that's where the simulator comes in, and you can kind of fill in some of the gaps that... Airbus have a philosophy with their manuals that they, they don't go into a lot of detail and they just give you the bare facts. Now, some people want to know some more and, you know, in an ideal world, the more you know, the, the better equipped you are to deal with issues. So that's, I mean, I don't know if I've kind of speculated right or not there. Yeah, seemingly I, I've, I've made a, a lucky guess there. So that, that's, that's one aspect. But Clearly, you've got to have the technical aptitude to be able to look at these things, and, and they do a great job. Well, that's from uh, one of your customers, as it were, uh, Andy. What's the, what's the next stage for the podcast? Have you got any plans to, to take it further now? Uh, yeah, well, the next step is we're just looking into actually recording some actual videos of certain procedures, because, of course, it's great to listen to it, but a picture tells a thousand words. Um, and we're in the process of sort of pre-production on that, We've got a few storyboards, again, neither me or Matt are artists, and uh, there have been some interesting interpretations of things on paper that neither of us have understood when we've looked at it, but we're getting there slowly but surely, and we're also building a, um, an LPC, OPC uh, sort of training package as well in eight modules that people will be able to look at and sort of give them the top tips to help them out really ace their uh, license skills. So we're just trying to move it on a bit further each time and develop it and push ourselves as well to see how far we can really go with it. Fantastic. Do you think you'll ever get a stage, get to a stage where the guys in Toulouse are going to phone you up and say, oh, uh, Matt and Andy, can we just have a look at what you're doing? Because we, we think we could be doing our job slightly better. For the sake of my job and uh, for Airbus, I'll say probably not. Um, but, yeah, no, that'd be very nice, but I very much doubt it. Those guys are significantly more knowledgeable than us, and I quite often have to go to them to find some bits out that they don't put in the manuals. As I said, they like to keep it pretty basic in the books. They don't want us to know too much, so it sometimes takes a bit of digging. Brilliant. Well, that's fantastic, Andy. And I must say, uh, what's the uh, email, sorry, the uh, website address of your podcast? At a320podcast.com. And you can find us on Facebook as well at uh, a320podcast. And we're also on Twitter at a320podcast. So give us a follow. And uh, there's lots of stuff going on our Facebook pages. And we do have, we recently did a competition for um, a print. And we do have some special podcasts coming up from Airbus. Me and Matt uh, had a visit to uh, Airbus up at Broughton, and we have some uh, great Airbus prize to give away, so that's coming up soon as well. 
Wonderful. Well, can I just encourage everyone to tune into the podcast because it's a great listen. Thanks ever so much, Andy. Brilliant. Thanks, Neil. That's great. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks Thanks for for listening. listening flyby 5823 trent dane for 23r manchester wizz air 6x climb flight level 210 direct to britman's park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. London, two, TME, turn right onto Bravo, link, two, one, join, alpha, hold at Mora, speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash TME, approach runway, two, seven, left. Follow the green stand, five, four, four. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 flight simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Well, it's safe to say another sterling piece of work there for Mr. Bounds. I know, even at our 200th, when, when, he, when we really did have our hands full. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a bit sick. tired by the end of the day, but yeah, uh, it was great talking to Andy. I saw Andy uh, last week for a bit of lunch, and also yeah. uh, Matt came over to my house as well uh, this week to have a chat about some bits and pieces. Mm, and uh, the nice thing about the guys is that they're, they're so engaging. And there's no such thing as a stupid question, so you can ask them all sorts of things, and they're, they're very happy to, to answer it. And uh, I'm really pleased for them how well the A320 podcast is oh, going. Oh, it really it's is. Such it... a, such a, a digestible thing, because most of the money lasts sort of mm. uh, 10 to 15 minutes maximum so um mm. it, it's really really interesting to listen to it, it is even uh, from the the keen amateurs point of view s- somebody was asking me actually what, what's the what, what's the best way to describe the a320 podcast and i i, I always just sort of describe it and i hope i'm not offending andy and matt when i say mm. this but I, I always refer to it to like the haynes manual of, of, of the a320 yeah. do you yeah. know what i mean because it's that i think that's a fair description is it not nev 
Yeah, and I think Airbus have been, um, although you know, there's quite a lot in the manuals clearly, but uh, they don't go into massive amounts mm. of details about all the procedures, and so it's very much up to individual airlines uh, and people's interpretation. So uh, Matt and Andy uh, break that down in, into uh, you know bite-sized Design, chunks. Yeah. For people. So yeah. for people that are studying for the, for their um, command or that are studying mm. for it, uh, to be a first officer on on the aircraft, then it's it's a brilliant resource, really really good. And as they alluded to, actually, as An- uh, Andy alluded to. In that uh, that piece, there is some very interesting uh, work in the pipeline uh, to sort of bring it, you know, another step forward. It's it's really good. Mm. Yeah, I must say, I've, I've been listening to their show since they started, and um, you know, well, we've had them on the show. All, we? but yeah, all, you know, and I do love my Boeing. And when you're listening to a, a podcast such as theirs, there's so much information and stuff, and it, they go into the real technical yeah. side of, of the A320. But mm. even for someone who like hasn't me, got like a clue, me, essentially, that's well, yeah. that's what that's what you're getting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But even uh, for someone like Matt, like me. even for someone <laughs> yeah, like Matt, it, it is yeah. such such an entertaining show, and you, you know, yeah, you is. can. Yeah. And I, I find when I'm listening to it at work, I find myself sitting there and I'm just in another, I'm, I'm there, you know. Uh, are you going to say in another world? But oh, you're, you're, oh, Carlos, you're in another I, world 29, <laughs> 29 I, days out of I 30. I didn't, I didn't yeah. want to say while I'm driving around in a forklift listening to the show because I obviously don't do that. That sounds very dangerous. But no, it's a fantastic show. Get, your, uh, get yourselves over there. If you've not listened to yeah. one of their shows yet, get yourselves over yeah. and listen to, uh, yeah, so to it's, their show. And it is www.a320podcast.co.uk or .com? dot com so it's a three twenty podcast dot com make sure that you do give it a listen to say we we strongly recommend it as a must listen mm. so have we got uh, more of those coming up uh, in the future shows Nev uh, yes if I start to edit a few yep. together <laughs> which I shall be uh, during the week <laughs> yeah, yes we've, we've got quite a few to play out actually probably got about another ten or so to do but uh, uh, yeah they're they're really interesting actually and. Uh, it was. It was uh, I, I still can't get over how, how good that weekend was. A few people in the chat room saying what, a, what an awesome weekend it was. It was. Yeah, it's a very very memorable. I thought really good. Yeah, it was really good fun. Yeah. So we've got some uh, military. Should we news. do it all again? No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> yeah, can we do it again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got some military news to uh, go through, and then we're going to have a chat with uh, Neil about uh, what he does over at Bruntingthorpe. So, uh, if everyone's ready, uh, we're going to do some military news. Nev, Matt, Neil. Yeah. Here yeah. we yeah. go. Before you start, Carlos, I just have to say, actually, Richard Adams pointed out a very marvellous thing, which I can't believe you of all people forgot about, is like not forgetting the very special and amazing beer. Oh, the two hundred. That yes, wasn't amazing. I, d- yes. I do trust that that, that 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 some of that will be available for our summer meetup. I hope. I have one bottle left, Matt. No, no, no. But <laughs> oh, the beer. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm pretty I think sure. We need to commission. I'm pretty sure yeah. if we all speak to Matt Caton very, yeah, nicely, very nicely. Yeah, he is in the uh, chat room he, he supply, yeah. he will supply some beer for the summer meetup, possibly. Um, but uh, also on the note of Matt, oh. actually, uh, they're they're hopefully um, when Na- when Nev ma- manages to get hold of uh, Mr. Caton, oh. um, he's going to. I think he's going to be lined up for an NPE. 
so that'd be quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Anyway, should we do some military? Yes, yeah. so <laughs> moving on to the military news for this week, on the first news story then, on the ShropshireStar.com. <laughs> and uh, good news for Where anyone... Where I get all of my aviation news I from, know you obviously. Do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any, uh, good news for anyone in the UK who's going to the Cosford Air Show. Uh, so the Cosford Air Show this year, 2018, the Royal Air Force Falcons, RAF Falcons, are going to be opening the Cosford Air Show this year. So the Falcons, famous for their colourful aerial display, will be part of this year's six-hour show on Sunday, June the 10th. Their performance includes a variety of uh, movements across the sky in free fall, using coloured smoke to illustrate a pattern in the sky. They're also well known for their close proximity flying. The team will also be carrying the Royal Air Force's RAF 100 baton to the show as part of a commemorative relay. Other recently announced participants of uh, are the Royal Air Force Tutor Display Team with their Grob Tutor, which is also used to train Air Squadron students and uh, air, air for Air Experience flights to members of the Air Cadet Organization. This year at uh, uh, Cosford Air Show is going to be bigger than ever to celebrate the 100th uh, years of the uh, Royal Air Force. For the first time, the Air Show will also feature four themed villages, each of them exploring different eras of the last century. Thousands of guests uh, will be able to explore zones based on policing the empire, the war years, and age and uncertainty, and the new millennium. Each zone will include reenactments of activities as well as aircraft from each era. From the very first planes used by the service through to the high-tech jets of today, a hundred static aircraft will be on show across the museum, one for each of the Air Force uh, years the Air Force has existed. Uh, so if you want to find out more information, if you uh, are in the UK or if you live in the UK, you can take yourselves over to uh, Cosford uh, Show or CosfordAirShow.co.uk and uh, find your tickets and stuff there. So uh, I've actually seen these guys uh, at an air show quite a few times now, the, uh, the Falcons. And, uh, you know, everyone's used to seeing aircraft at, yeah. at uh, air shows and stuff. But these, the parachute display team, these guys are really, really good. Um, God, God love her. I'm quite surprised Ooh. Dr. Steph's not joined them actually yet because oh, obviously no. Steph's used to doing <laughs> this. So. She's used to throwing herself out of perfectly functioning aircraft. Have yeah. you seen these guys, Neil? Yeah. I have. Um, they're amazing. They're, I've got some fantastic photos from oh, Riyadh, I think, years oh, ago. Yeah. And I'll keep going back to them every so often. Yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, such a skillful it. display. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? So, the next story. Um, yeah. This one's for you, Matt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, well, it, it seems to me the tanker situation could be uh, could be coming to an end. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> Flight Global, which is an, a highly reputable source, yes, especially for military news, uh, and this is flightglobal.com. And the headline is: Boeing completes final FAA test on the KC-46 tanker Ooh. program. So Boeing's KC-46 tanker program completed all required supplemental type certificate uh, flight tests for the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration following a successful refueling and communications flight with a C-17. So Boeing said on the 26th of April that it plans to now submit the resulting data and reports to the FAA for review. As part of the testing, a combined team of, from Boeing and the U.S. Air Force was required to validate the boom and drogue systems for aerial refueling with multiple receiver aircraft such as the F-16, the F-A-18, uh, the C-17 and the A-10. The uh, team also had to demonstrate the KC-46 taking on fuel from the KC-135, KC-10 and the other KC-46 tankers. The aircraft also 
also conducted night and day lighting tests and tested its defensive systems and avionics. The KC-46 derived from Boeing 767-2C design is built uh, in the company's Everett Washington facility. Boeing is currently on contract for the first 34 of an expected 179 tankers for the United States Air Force. That's a huge number. The FAA still must approve an exemption requested by Boeing before granting the STC. A software flaw discovered earlier this year could, in an extreme condition, cause an overpressure when the KC-46 is on loading fuel in flight to the centre fuel tank. The FAA is now seeking comments on Boeing's petition for exemption but is expected to grant the waiver. Meanwhile, the USAF is still refusing to accept delivery of Boeing's first 18 KC-45 aircraft until several other deficiencies have been resolved. Despite the pending issues, Boeing says that the program remains on track to complete delivery of the first operational squadron later this year. It's safe to say that hopefully this, uh, the the issues, problems, and stuff have all been uh, ironed out and finished, and uh, we'll we'll, yeah. uh, we'll finally have a a, a KC forty six. Going to say what we're going to do when they do resolve more, because we won't have a military yeah, section. No, 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 have no stories to read. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, it has been drawn out for quite some time now. Well, so I'm surprised they didn't just. Mm. I'm surprised they didn't just say, oh. Do you know what? Just just can it and try something yeah. else. <laughs> do something else. Just do yeah. something Give else. Give up. Start again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Air to air food or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like it. So, uh, Nev, the next story. It's on the Australian Aviation website, and it says that the uh, Pentagon has stopped delivery, uh, taking delivery of F thirty five Lightning II fighters from Lockheed Martin, including at least one aircraft for Australia, due to unresolved corrosion issues. The corrosion reportedly resulted from a known production error in fasteners that hold composite exterior panels to the aircraft's airframe. The issue was discovered in 2017 during depot maintenance on aircraft delivered to date. As a result, the JSF project office has suspended F-35 deliveries until an agreement can be reached with Lockheed Martin on how the cost of repairing the corrosion will be covered. Since the suspension in early April, a US Senate Armed Services Committee hearing heard on April the 18th that five F-35 deliveries have been put on hold, including three for the US, one for Norway and one for Australia. We're still progressing along with the Joint Programme Office on that. Lockheed Martin uh, Chairman, President and CEO Marilyn Hewson said during an April the 24th uh, earnings call. It's just a temporary suspension that they have on accepting some aircraft until we reach an agreement on a contractual issue. So we're working through that contractual issue with them. It's not affecting production at all, but we continue to produce the F-35. She continues, and we are confident we're going to meet our deliveries this year of over 90 aircraft for 2018. Of course, these delays are all very well and that things get resolved, but there's always a massive cost penalty somewhere and somebody's got to pay for it, haven't they? But what about, what about well, these fasteners uh, that they were supposed to use? Obviously, you know, um, anything sort of steel, rusts kind of thing. You'd think even in the, the, the industry that I work or the company I work for, you know, everything that we use has to be stainless steel or, um, you know, non- non-magnetic for the particular types of um, products we, we produce. But uh, you'd think that, you know, in this massive, massive world of tech, mm. that when you're putting together an aircraft of this k- 
caliber that you'd Magnitude, use, you'd okay. use fasteners that wouldn't corrode. corrode. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and surely so the overall cost. I mean, because I mean, one assumes that the decision was based purely was a purely financial one. Mm. But I mean, presumably, you know, or is it one of those a bad batch, yeah, possibly yeah. of yeah. screws. Uh, it's interesting. Yes. Something as minor as that, in in some respects, has this massive uh, implication for, for costs and overrunning of the program uh, later mm. on. So, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, this sort of error is always very expensive, isn't it? It is. Yep. Yeah, they should have gone down to Maplin before they shut. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, <Okay>. moving <laughs> moving on. Wow. The uh, last <laughs> <Okay>. day. <laughs> so, oh. moving uh, slightly closer to home, then uh, for the next story, then uh, Neil. Okay, um, this again is from Flight Global, and Eurofighter are to upgrade the Typhoon engine to lift sails. Eurofighter will upgrade the engines and systems on its Typhoon combat aircraft as part of a bid to replace Germany's fleet of Panavia tornadoes and support efforts to sell additional aircraft to other European countries. On the 24th of April, Airbus and Eurofighter submitted to Germany's Defence Ministry an offer to replace the nation's 90 tornadoes, which are dephased out from 2025. Eurofighter Chief Executive Volker Palzo, speaking at the ILA Air Show in Berlin on the 25th of April, said that the consortium intends to increase the thrust of the Typhoon's Eurojet EJ200 engine by about 15% in order to boost payload and range. Each Typhoon is powered by a pair of 13,500-pound thrust 60kN engines. Palso says the upgrade will also include additional capabilities for the Euroradar Captor E active electronically scanned array radar that has been in development since 2014. Describing the Captor E as a real game changer capable of simultaneously tracking multiple targets in the air and on the ground, he says the ongoing development effort includes a growth plan to further increase capabilities in the future. The Eurofighter represents a perfect and logical choice for Germany because the country already operates 130 typhoons and economies of scale would deliver savings in terms of both fleet introduction and costs per flight hour, says Palsen. Acquisition of the type would also be the least risk solution as Germany knows, uses and understands our aircraft, he adds. Saying that Eurofighter expects to replace Germany's full tornado fleet Palso asserts the Typhoon will deliver every capability and perform every mission that the tornadoes currently undertake. Berlin uses the aging Panavia aircraft for roles including ground attack and electronic warfare. In addition to benefits for Germany, Palso says a selection of the twin-engine type would also be the right choice for Europe because the production would sustain the region's defence aerospace industry as a natural bridge until the projected European fighter programme is established. France and Germany tentatively agreed in late 2017 to develop a future combat air system that is currently expected to enter service around 2040. The technologies we are developing for Eurofighter today will go hand in hand with those technologies we expect to see on a future European fighter programme, manned or unmanned, says Palto. He says that he expects the Eurofighter to stay in production into the 2030s, remaining in service until around 2060. The consortium sees potential to sell a total of 300 additional aircraft and has ongoing sales campaigns with the governments of Belgium, Bulgaria, Finland, Poland and Switzerland as they look to upgrade legacy fleets. Of existing orders for about 620 aircraft, 536 units have been delivered. Belgium is expected to make a decision by July about the acquisition of 35 aircraft. Eurofighter has recently submitted a final offer to Brussels, Palso says. 
Finland is considering the purchase of 64 aircraft, while Switzerland is decided by 2019 about an order for 30 to 40 units he adds. Bulgaria's government is evaluating an order for at least eight units, while Poland is still shaping its requirements. Now, I was, I was thinking, reading uh, the story earlier today when I looked at this, and even for me in my limited knowledge of military aviation stuff, but to me, the Eurofighter Typhoon still seems like quite a you know really new aircraft like it's mm. only been about you know a little ten, while 10 years yeah, yeah like that but uh, looking into in, into more depth in august this year uh 2018 it will be 15 years since the eurofighter of typhoon was introduced into service um with the various air forces uh, in europe and uh, so 15 years so it is is obviously it's, it's probably due an engine uh, upgrade i think after at this time i think yeah um, you know, airliners, obviously airliners through the years will have engine upgrades and stuff like that. But uh, for something like this, Eurofighter Typhoon, there is actually one of these um, on display as a static display at Duxford here in ah, the UK. Ah, Duxford. Uh, in this, but uh, the uh, Royal Air Force, German Air Force, Italian Air Force and the Spanish Air Force all use uh, the Eurofighter Typhoon. Uh, Tony's actually saying it's old, but it is constantly being upgraded. Mm. So, yeah, so it's been about a while. By it's been time, about a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, w- just for uh, for everyone, this uh, this is an incredibly noisy aircraft because I've been stood, it? stood literally right next door to one of these when it was taxiing in at Riyadh a few years back. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. And I can noisy. definitely vouch for it being... Being noisy. quite noisy. Yeah. Not as noisy as the Vulcan, though, I'm quite sure. No, not Nothing quite as noisy as, noisy as, Vulcan, as no, that was. No, that no. thing was a machine. <laughs> so that's where we bring uh, the military segment to a close this week. And, uh, well, we have, uh, obviously, as we said, we've got uh, Neil on as a guest on the show this week. So, uh, Neil, you've obviously, you work on quite uh, an, well, an interesting aircraft, it's safe to say, that uh, many people may not have seen or heard of before. But what uh, what's that aircraft? Um, we work on the Super Guppy, and you have a handy visual idea for anybody who's never seen one before. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like the it. very first time that I went to Buntingthorpe, um, the guy in the gate told me to park next to the Guppy, and I said, what's that? So I'd never heard of one either. He said, you can't miss it, and this is what you end up next to. <laughs> Just like what on earth is that? Yeah, <laughs> always, always reminds me of the uh, aliens from Mars Attacks. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it's one of my um, favourite films. That so, is. <laughs> for those of uh, people who don't, who've never seen one of these before, which is probably quite a lot of you. Um, physically, it's similar size to a C seventeen. It's a lot taller. Uh, these stripes here are probably twenty feet or more off the ground. Wow! So it's it's pretty big. Um, I really loved strange-looking aircraft. I'm drawn to anything that it looks odd. So this was this was a perfect fit for me. Um, I've been to a few of the open days at Bunsen Thought, which are great things to go to if you get the chance. And um, we've got another one coming up on the 27th of May. <gasps> hopefully, we'll come. Just, yeah. Hopefully, yes. Um, so I've been to a few of these and eventually got looking around on the internet and found um, Gaz, who's our crew chief, um, along with Emma, Ollie, Greg and myself. Um, we look after the big day to day and got talking to him and made my way along eventually and just got handed a paintbrush and said, go for it. So what we're doing at the moment with the guppy is basically a cosmetic restoration. So 
it will never fly again. We always, everybody always asks us that, and it's it's a big shame that it won't. But if you think getting the Vulcan to fly again is expensive, then this would be this would be yeah, far, far worse, yeah, or a magnitude <laughs> to be honest. Um, if we could ever get engines for it, we'd love to do static runs. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Mm. But at the moment, we are just as with any restoration group that keeps an aircraft outside. We're fighting corrosion all the time. Uh, it came to Bruntingthorpe in about 1996. Ah, there we go. That's us. That is us underneath a uh, Titan II ballistic missile in Arizona. Oh, as you do. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you ever get the chance to to go there, uh, it's an absolutely fantastic place. It's a wonderful group of people that run that. And um, the, the top to bottom tour is, is really is <laughs> well worth it. Um, the, the real purpose of that visit there was to actually go and see NASA, who still have a guppy that they fly. Oh, wow. Um, it's number four of the original five that were built. And they uh, they use it for to move part of the uh, Orion spacecraft program around. Because the thing about the guppy is it's very good for cargo that's really big, mm. but not very heavy. Right. Uh, NASA took it on originally to move parts of uh, Saturn V around. As you can see there, you've got a huge fuselage section, which is very bulbous, so you Mm. can get a large, round object in there, uh, fuselage sections, wings, uh, all that sort of thing. Um, Because originally, when you were moving those sections around, it was sending them through Tanmar Canal, it would take a couple of weeks, um, the guppy was put forward by uh, Jack Conroy as a, a solution to that. And originally they started off with a Boeing Stratocruiser and put this huge fuselage section around it, chopped and changed a few things, and you had the original Super Guppy. They then took the centre section out, built the fuselage from scratch, but kept the wings, the nose and the tail and ended up with what you've got there. Um, Uprated engines, a few new uh, tricks. The nose gear actually is an interesting one that we always like to tell people about because that comes from a 707. Oh, really? (laughs) And they took it and reversed it, so it drops the cargo floor a little bit and makes it easier to load. Right. So... We always like to tell people that although it's got Airbus written all down the side, it's really <laughs> a Boeing underneath. <laughs> oh, no. So um, it solves that, uh, that debate. Yeah. Anyway, um, Airbus used it for the original, for the A300 programme, mm. to move, move wing sections to the final assembly plants. So they slapped their name on the side of it. Um, or Concorde parts as well. There's really? <laughs> also new concrete parts. So, um, um, yeah, Sorry? yeah. There was. I mean, one of the questions that with the picture that because you very kindly sent us some pictures as well, and this one yes. that I've just, just popped up here. I mean, it's just I, the whole thing is. is I suppose it's similar with the Beluga, isn't it? Which is the presumably the replacement, isn't yeah. it? Um, yes. And it, the one thing that always amazes me here, obviously, I mean, the Beluga is jet engines, isn't it? Rather than um, props. Props. But, uh, the, I mean, the, it's the whole aerodynamics. I mean, part of me is absolutely astounded that this thing was ever actually in the air at all. I mean, it's just... 
I, I suppose that I suppose the front is shaped as much as such to sort of cut as much through the air as as efficiently as possible. But uh, you know, yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's difficult. It, it is the size that it is, mm. um, but you also get a lot of lift from that fuselage shape. Right. Okay. Um, it's several times over the last few years it's been spun around in the wind when we get mm. really really strong winds really it, it will spin um it's got a few battle scars um it's taken out fire engines uh, cars <laughs> right. so it's not a good idea to put anything close to it, to it. No. And the, the rudder section is is huge mm. uh, and you when i showed you the model before uh if you stand right next to it it is amazing how just how big this part is. Yeah, really? It's a giant sail, basically. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't look like it should fly, but it does. But it does. By, by some miracle, it, it, it actually does. So, I mean, how long, how, how long was this particular aircraft in, in service for then, Neil? Uh, from the early 70s until uh, ours came to us in, in the mid-90s, say, 96. So that's part of 30 years. And to say NASA has still got theirs going, if you, they, it's usually found in El Paso, but it does get around a bit. Mm. So if you're ever over there, it's, it's well worth uh, trying to find it. It's quite an amazing thing. The first time we'd actually seen one fly in the flesh, it's quite an amazing thing to see. Definitely. But yeah, it's still used and still good for, for its job. Andy Wilson's asking the chat room, uh, Neil, which, what engines were fitted to the guppy? Uh, this one had oh, Allison's, um, Allison 501s, is what it's wow. on it. Um, they're the same engines from right that the Hercules uses. Oh, wow. Which is why it's difficult for us to, to get them, because yeah, it's the second-hand market. They obviously go with Hercules, are still going strong, so... Yeah, it's a shame they didn't uh, leave the engines when they um, when you you know when you got the aircraft there. They um, I, they were proud. I've I've been on it for about five years. Um, Gaz's been looking after it since for about nine years. Um, it's you know sat outside for quite a while, but we're told yeah. that those were basically the first things to come out. Um, right. They, because their the second end value is just is huge. Yeah, then, it's I still, bet. It still is. Yeah. So, uh, any questions, um, uh, Nev, uh, from you? It must be, I mean, as you were saying, it's a very high-lift uh, uh, machine, isn't it, Neil? And uh, presumably the, the takeoff and landing speeds were relatively low, uh, I would imagine, because obviously with prop aircraft, you, you tend to get a lot of um, lift anyway uh, from them. Um, so, uh, um, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the numbers off the top of my head, um, but it's... It is unusual. I think it's probably difficult to put down. Uh, I don't know whether I sent you the picture or not, but there's lots and lots of pictures and videos. They actually land lands very nose down. Uh, you almost have to fly it into the ground. So this is what we tell people. It's surprising. It does. Yes, it does fly. Yes, it's it's got uh, a lot of lift. So, but no, it's not fast. Was it a pressurized aircraft as well? This, uh, the this the flight deck is pressurised. All oh, right. Uh, the, the back is not. Um, they actually had one of the test flights actually had an accident um, in a high speed dive where the front section above the nose, so the forehead area, 
um, caved in and they, they nearly lost the plane but they were saved when it blew the back doors off wow. so they lost they, <laughs> the pressure that was building up was lost uh, and they managed to get it back down but no, so you've got a, a pressurised crew compartment but the rest of it is, is not out there but yeah. Well done, Matt. Yeah. That, the, so this is actually—I should just credit this. This is this is from NASA actually, uh, directly. So this this has got something to do with um, Na- NASA and it was released about five years ago. But it, I mean, it just looks insane, doesn't it? it, it today, I mean, how how can you not love something that looks like that? It is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It is genuinely fascinating. It does look like an alien is coming to get you. I have to be honest. It uh, really does. Yeah. <laughs> it's not look. Yeah, it's slightly frightening. So yeah. carry on, Nev. Uh, any more? Yeah, I was just looking at some of the um, specifications of, of it, or, or at least um, just looking at the uh, flight info I've got here. It says that um, uh, the service ceiling was 25,000 feet, and it has a range of 1,734 nautical miles. Um, the um, empty weight of the aircraft was 100,000 pounds. Maximum takeoff weight, 170,000 pounds. And maximum landing weight is at 160,000 um, pounds, and the total that we produced was only five aircraft. I didn't actually realize really. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, the original one that was basically a, a big shell suit wrapped around a Stratocruiser <laughs> uh, was, you'd almost call it a prototype, I suppose, um, which had different engines. It was then taken on and. A couple more were built, and then a couple more were built. Um, they're still all hanging around. Um, we've got number one. Uh, number two is in Toulouse, okay. at the Airbus factory there. Um, now, they've got a fantastic new museum, which, which we uh, do want to go back over and see sometime. Uh, not sure whether the book has been moved over or not. Uh, there's one at um, Finkenwerder, at, uh, again at the Airbus factory there. Uh, it's quite difficult to see. They don't put it really out on display and they don't let you off the bus on the tour. No, no, they but don't. You, you yeah. can see it. And then, of course, uh, number four is still with, with NASA, um, flying around bits for the for the space programme. Oh, it's still so. very much in service then, yeah. Uh, um, there is also, though, there's also um, one at uh, Pima, Pima Air and Space Museum in Arizona. Wow. Which, again, is a brilliant place, really, really well worth going to. So Neil, you obviously you obviously look after this with uh, a group of other other uh, sort of aviation enthusiasts. What what does it take to kind of you know keep the the guppy looking as it does? Obviously, you know you've got you know it's one hell of an aircraft to clean, let alone paint. Well, cleaning is unbelievable. Um, very long brushes. <laughs> uh, we can we beg steal or borrow cherry pickers whenever we can. Uh, you can't get up that hard, really. Um, but our, our major outlay, the major things that we use, um, paint, paintbrushes, um, underneath what we're doing at the moment, underneath here, underneath the stripes, and again, underneath underneath the wings, uh, is obviously where you get the worst corrosion. So we're sanding down the whole fuselage. Um, we put on uh, acid etching primer, so that stops any corrosion. Hopefully, that's it's already there uh, that we, you know, you didn't manage to see. Uh, and then the plan is to paint on top of that. Um, over the last couple of years, we've done the stripes, 
So that was a huge amount of masking, uh, painting. Uh, the letters, the letters are probably about seven or eight feet high. Uh, so that's a cherry picker job. Again, huge amount of masking. So masking tape, paint, rollers, uh, is we go through so much of that every year. Um, but we, we really have to thank all of the people that come and see us on the open days. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic, the, the donations that people give us. Uh, you know, we, we couldn't do it without that. Um, and it's amazing to see the people that come back again and again. See the people twice every year. Come back, oh, I came a few years ago, I'll see you again. Um, we just love it when people come up and say, it's fantastic what you've done. I can really see the difference that you've made you know, since the last two years that I came or whenever it was. Uh, that's brilliant. You know, that's, we, we do it. We would still do it for ourselves, but it's wonderful when people come along and notice what we've done and, and enjoy it as much as we do. Actually, they were saying they were saying here one of the most amazing things is I presume again when when it when it begins to land, obviously you do because of its sheer shape. I guess you lose because it basically lands flat, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. <laughs> it's it's, like, it's almost a nose wheel first landing. <laughs> I mean, that may just be the, yeah. the characteristic of that particular pilot, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, it is that is really it's almost nose wheel first. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's it's different. Everything about the guppy is different. And and is that because of is that because of its shape and the drag and things? It's sort of basically pulling it closer to the ground, I guess. I would, I would imagine so. Mm. Um, I don't know that much about the aerodynamic side of things. Um, so it let's does take pushing into the ground, yes. Yeah, so Lane, Lane Street is asking a couple of questions in the chat room here, actually. He was saying uh, that I presume most of the work is taking place on the outside. I mean, what, what have you done with the inside of the aircraft? Uh, the inside is we've painted... Um, as much as we can. It's mostly white inside. You've got uh, various load markings um, all along the fuselage and inside. So that was again was masking, painting. Um, there's been a lot of work done on the electrics. Um, Gaz has done a lot of that and done a fantastic job. Uh, so we can light her up now. Um, oh, wow. We can get uh, the flight deck instruments uh, lit up. You know, it looks really nice. It I mean, it runs off off car batteries, um, right. so it's not something we can do for a long time or, no. or very often. But uh, inside is really is, is a lot of cleaning, uh, dusting. So, so I mean, I mean, yeah. so we're going to have to sort of start wrapping up. Unfortunately, I was going to say, Lane has actually uh, asked a quite a good question. Uh, especially for those who are going to, who hopefully are going to visit mm. uh, the show this year, is the inside open for visitors to uh, to look in? Absolutely, yes, always. Um, we open up the there's an access door at the back, um, roughly around about here. Um, you go in. There's been steps put in all oh, a long time ago, so down at the bottom there's not really anything there, mm. but underneath the, above the cargo floor. Yeah, absolutely. You go in there, you go up to the flight deck. Um, kids love going and sitting in the seats. So do the adults. Uh, it's amazing. Actually, when you stand underneath it, you don't really get an impression of how big it is inside. Mm. Everybody comes out to us and says, oh, it's, it's like a cathedral in there. And it really is. Um, it's, yes, definitely. We, you go in and have as much of a look around as you want, Absolutely. Um, you can also do that. The, the museum is open on Sundays. 
Oh, so fantastic. you can also go along. Uh, if we're there, then uh, it obviously it'll be open. Yeah. Uh, it's usually also open by uh, a couple of the guides that are there. So you can go along to to the Bunter's Thought to the uh, the aerodrome on a Sunday. Yeah. And, you can and find you. The listeners need to find you. Yeah, they do need to come and find you. Absolutely. There's uh, uh, one last question, if I may, Nev, in the chat room. Perhaps you would uh, to read that one out. Yes, it's from uh, Richard King. Do you have to check it structurally to make sure it doesn't collapse? Uh, <laughs> not really. Um, I mean, we you suffer problems with um, with delamination. So the aluminium is, is the layers of aluminium are, do peel off. Uh, so you have to be careful underneath the wings. Uh, and that's one of the things that we're working on. Um, the big problem we have is with the rudder. Uh, the actual rudder itself is, is fiberglass, so it's not fantastically heavy, but it is, you wouldn't want to drop it on your head. Um, so that's something that we're always careful with. That's, you know, it has to be lashed down, it has to be secured. Um, but no, really, it's um, it's very solid. Very, very solid still. Yeah. So yeah. just to, to round up then, uh, Neil, any, are there any sort of big future plans then for the Guppy that uh, that you guys want to kind of do over the next few years? Um, our main thing really is to finish finish the painting that we've done. Um, we're always looking with, with what comes in donation-wise with what we can do. Um we would, I mean, we'd like to keep up with the lighting of it, uh, maybe improve that. Um, if we could get some second-hand engines, then maybe that's a possibility. To be honest, that's probably quite remote. Um, this is like painting the fourth bridge, we always <laughs> yeah. say. So our, our long-term plans are really to keep doing what we're doing and, and keep uh, looking the best for as long as we can. So, if anyone, if any of the listeners uh, want to find out more about what you do and uh, and uh, you know about the the Hulk's kind of uh, the guppy and stuff, where can they find out some details about Brunting? Uh, we have a the Super Guppy Restoration Projects page on Facebook, and that's one of the best places to get in touch with us at the moment. Um, there is a website as well, and if you get an email that there's email addresses, um, you'll get in touch with Gaz with our, our crew chief. Uh, but yeah Facebook is is the best um, but come along to the open days and we're Definitely. quite happy to talk to everybody that comes along yeah indeed and uh, Marianne has actually said a, a great comment here at the, at the at the death of it here is basically it's literally a labour of love isn't it you just you just have to you wouldn't Absolutely. if you didn't love the aircraft you wouldn't be d- doing all of this this no, um, work, really it's difficult in the winter because you can't paint mm. outside when it's raining or when it's minus 10 yeah, indeed. So, but, and, uh, yeah, we do. It is a labour of love. Is definitely what we say. To so, Nev, I see. I see you found the uh, the web page there. Is that correct? Yes, I have. Yes, and it, and it is. Uh, it is superguppy all one word dot co dot uk. Very very good. Yes. Excellent. So take yourselves over there and uh, have a good look on the website uh, page. There is a great aerial shot on the website there of uh, the super guppy at Brunty there with uh, with various kind of. Uh, bits and pieces around aircraft and uh, and obviously one of the open days but a great shot of the uh, the aircraft there and hopefully fingers crossed uh hopefully fingers crossed fingers crossed we are uh, hopefully going to go to the to the open day there which is what date is that on uh, may isn't it uh, Neil? It's 
27th of May, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to be there, which will be awesome, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I not get the memo? Did you not get the memo? One? No, no. <laughs> Matt didn't get the okay. memo for that. All right, I'll clear my diary immediately. Yeah, Excellent. So hopefully, Good news. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. No, it, it, it is, as you say, it's a labour of love and, uh, uh, well, uh, much respect to you, Neil, for, for putting so much effort in because it, yeah. it is a bizarre but somehow weirdly <laughs> beautiful aircraft, isn't it? It really is a. A, a lovely, lovely thing. So that is, I'm afraid, where we have to start wrapping things up um, for today. Uh, I just want to say a very quick little personal message in the fact that it's a certain, our, our favourite cabin creme, cabin, cabin crew <laughs> member's <laughs> birthday tomorrow. So happy yes. birthday to Owen, Owen for tomorrow. Happy who's, birthday. Yeah, who's going to be uh, an age that I don't even want to say out loud because yeah. he's very young and it makes me feel quite nauseous. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, and happy birthday, dear Owen, uh, for tomorrow. And it's also uh, someone else's birthday today, actually. Is it? Who, who is a listener of the show. Oh, and uh, we're, we're going to say a big happy birthday to Jonathan Warner. Oh, of course it is. The yes. legend that is. He's Jonathan probably having Warner. a barbecue about now, yes. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. is... In the, the pouring rain. He's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's reached a grand young age of 30. Yeah, so, don't uh, say that out loud. I know, but uh, for those those of you, you probably with Jonathan's been on the show. He's also mm. he's he's also a massive lover of uh, military aviation, military, yeah. and uh, he uh, he's also takes some awesome photography. If for those of you who are going to react this mm. year, uh, Mr. Warner will be in the grandstand uh, with his uh, free at pass, I think it's called, and he goes oh, and takes now? some aw- awesome <laughs> okay, pictures yeah, yeah. and stuff. He's yeah. he's got he's got rather. It's safe to say, John that Jonathan's got um, a rather big lens. Yeah. But anyway, we'll um, we'll. That's that's what she said. Uh, Okay, good. Uh, Lovely. Uh, Nev, uh, anything exciting for you next week? Uh, Nothing too major, but today I was down at uh, Heathrow Terminal 5 uh, on some business, and uh, I uh, grabbed the opportunity to uh, speak with one of our listeners from Berlin, Germany. So I've done a Nev's passenger experience down there, and uh, that's uh, a very interesting lesson, which we'll do in a couple of weeks' time, I would imagine. Brilliant. uh, Yeah, really, really good day out today Mm -hmm. there. Um, But uh, no, just lots of work for me next week, as always. Very good, very good. Uh, well, I'm sort of basically, uh, we're leaving the studio as it is because I've got to get out here as quickly as I can because I'm off to Heathrow in the morning. Uh, I've got to be, I've got to be uh, in, uh, I've got to be at Stansted by 7am to then go on to Heathrow for reasons of which I can't go, it's a long story. I can't, I can't go into details uh, right now because it's not my news to share. But what, What's uh, your name, National Express? That's it, yes, oh, that's right. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes, no, I am driving a car, believe it or not, not a bus on this occasion. So, uh, yeah. Just a, a quick one, though. What's the uh, studio update, uh, lads? Oh, uh, well, the, very little to report, unfortunately, because we've both been a bit b- busy. But I am delighted to say that the desk arrived the smart this afternoon so yes uh, and the, the more, one of my friends is coming to install it it's basically just a kitchen worktop it's nothing too exciting it'll be <laughs> ideal for for what we need it for but uh, that's being installed by my friend uh, on monday so yeah we will have a table in there as of monday which is exciting so we we just right. need the fabrics the fabric paint and that we're getting really close now to yeah. being able to kit yeah. it out and get the get get, get in get, it get in it exactly so it's we never great. have to pack all this up ever again oh, cool. oh glorious nice 
And I shall be at a wedding tomorrow night. Oh, lovely. Doing my DJ. No, no, no. It's another, another private function that yeah. uh, I've been booked to do tomorrow night. I still haven't, I still haven't forgiven Carlos yet because Carl, Carlos has made a little diary faux pas. And <laughs> now I'm doing a disco, which I'm not looking yes. forward to. Matt, at Matt, all, is, ve- Matt is very, yeah. very, very He's graciously stood in for me because when I'm coming when out I, of retirement, the day, I, the day I fly out back home to sunny Malta at the yes. end of June, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I have a booking. So Matt has kindly stood in yep. and he's going to dust off his microphone yeah, so it, and, it's uh, i mean it's the last i mean the last time i did this goes it was all 90s tunes is it still that oh yeah <laughs> you, can, you can play whatever you like okay mate. You good play excellent you like. i'll hold That's you fine. That. Uh, <laughs> so uh, neil anything exciting for you next week uh week off work oh hey! so, yeah. yes so it depends entirely depends on how much it rains right get anything done out okay. in the garden or in the guppy hopefully fingers crossed fingers yes and I bet I bet if the weather's nice you're going to spend it at the aircraft the whole time aren't you well of course <laughs> right okay. not jealous at all no not, no, not, in, not in a beer garden at all no no. Well, no no I should hope so I should <laughs> hope so a beer garden is the way forward anyway that is where we need to bring things to a close thank you very much to everyone for joining us as always uh, if you uh, if you I'll try that again, shall I? So that is where we break episode number 214 to a close. We're going to say a big thank you to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room tonight, everyone who's joined us on this Friday night, all the usual suspects in there. The family are all in there having some fun tonight. So a big thanks to you. And also, not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show via iTunes and all the other podcasts, Spotify, Spotify and stuff. So a big thanks to you for downloading as well. Don't forget, if you want to send us some audio in, or uh, audio recordings in or anything like that as uh, M- uh, Matthew Buntingframe and Ray Davis will be soon hopefully very exciting uh, yes. you can send those into podcast yep. at plaintalkinguk.com that's podcast uh, at plaintalkinguk.com yeah send them in and Matt will have fun putting them in yeah. and uh, playing them out on the show uh, to, for us to listen to so send us in your feedback <laughs> so that is it for episode 214 I uh, hope you have a great weekend enjoy yep. uh, enjoy the uh, the well the winter weather that's back the winter weather the that's back with a vengeance yes I absolutely know. yeah good luck with your week off Neil <laughs> so for me Carlos it's a massive thank you and good night Uh, from me it is goodbye have a good time lads and lasses have a nice week and Neil we'll leave the last word with you bye bye So rare. Do you know that's one of the that's, 